This podcast is brought to you by Cashflow Mastery, the only revenue management course in our industry that teaches you step-by-step how to become a master revenue manager in your hosting business. For more info, check out getpaidforyourpad.com slash cashflowmastery. That's getpaidforyourpad.com slash cashflowmastery. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. My guest today is Mike Stenhouse. He is the co-founder together with his wife of the Inside Property Investing Podcast, a very popular podcast about uh, property investing. And um, we are going to talk about the differences between long-term rentals, short-term rentals, and we're also going to talk about leaving the corporate world to go 100% into property investing because that's what Mike has done. And we might even talk a little bit about sailing around the world as Hmm. well. So Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jasper. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to have a fellow podcast host on the show. Um, I was I was on your show. I, I saw it, it; it just got published. Um, so, if, if if anybody wants to check that out, go to InsidePropertyInvesting.com, and there you can find the episode that Mike and I did uh, earlier for his podcast. Uh, but today, let's talk about short-term rentals mainly. But before we dive into that, uh, why don't you give us a quick background uh, of, of your story and why did you get into property investing? Why did you get into short-term rental as well? Sure. So, I mean, we've been investing for, for a long time. I'm kind of mid to late 30s now. Uh, started, I bought my first investment when I was 18. Um, kind of, you know, there were no big plans there. Didn't do anything for a number of years after that. Went to university, graduated, got a job with Procter and Gamble uh, on their grad scheme. It was, you know, it was a good gig. Uh, they they paid well. Um, I was young, didn't have any responsibilities. You know, it was it was nice. It was a fairly easy time, but it kind of like had something niggling me that I wanted to do. I wanted to do more. I'd always kind of played with like businesses growing up, so I, I kind of. You know, I figured there was something beyond the corporate world for me. And property just had this draw in the UK growing up, watched a lot of like, you know, the kind of renovation shows and that sort of stuff. So I had this one rental. Um, I decided when I moved to uh, Newcastle for my, my grad job that I would buy a place rather than rent something. And I lived in this renovation project for a while, did all the work, well, did a lot of the work myself and lived in amongst the contractors doing the rest of the work. Um, that's always fun, right? Living on a building site is uh, a unique experience, not something you really want to do too many times, but it's good fun. Um, and gradually just kind of got into like house flipping alongside the day job for a number of years and realized that I was kind of making more money from that than the the, the day job. Um, but it's, it's lumpy, right? You flip houses, you, you sell one and you make some money, but then you kind of need to get back to work again. So gradually moved into the, the rental space, buying up some long-term rentals, left my job. Uh, and we've been focusing on that. I've been full-time in property for, uh, I don't know, 12 plus years now. Um, I, I made the jump first. My wife stayed in the corporate world to, kind of support us short term and, and keep us mortgageable. Um, and then about 
three years after I left, she was able to leave as well. And that's that's been our business ever since alongside the the podcast as well, kind of talking about what we do and having fun interviewing other people as well. Talk to me a little bit more about the transition from corporate to, um, you know, to le- leaving the corporate world, essentially. I know there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who want to do that. Uh, and it's a pretty, a bit of a scary move to make, right? For sure. Like, how did you desc- describe that process? Like, did you, did you, like, um, did you save up a lot of money before you felt comfortable doing that? Or how, no. what was your emotional <laughs> state throughout the process? Definitely not. I mean, like I say, I was... I probably did it at the right time. Um, for me, I was young, no no kids to worry about, nothing, no like crazy fixed expenses that I needed to worry about. So uh, when when we decided that was what we were gonna do, I was fortunate that Victoria, uh, you know, she was in a, a good job as well. Her income could support both of us. So we knew that we had this runway where I could go and focus on that full time, build up the the property business and then um you know get to the stage where we could replace her income that way so it was you know it was the right way for us to do it at that time with with hindsight i think you know we we hear a lot people saying like you know desperate to leave the day job i want to be a full-time investor like i don't think the scale that most people operate their investing business at is necessarily a full-time gig. Like I think you can make a lot of progress while still working a job and that job security gives you an income so that you don't need to be spending your rental profits. You can reinvest them. It keeps you mortgageable, right? Like if you've got a, a, a day job, like a salaried income, I think lenders typically like that as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I jumped quickly. Um, I think, you know, if you can extend that runway a little bit like if you don't hate your job and you're you're okay to hang it out for a couple of years and and work hard and get to a place where um you know you can build up your income first then i think that makes more sense but for me i i jumped and then kind of figured it out as i went because I'm, I'm a bit impulsive like that i guess <laughs> right on and so uh, you know first you went into flipping then you went to to long-term rentals mm-hmm. and then when when did you start looking into short-term rentals uh, so we've had our first short-term rentals for probably five years now, I guess, around about that amount of time. Um, it was something that, I don't know if you find this, one of the, uh, the downsides of being a podcast host is like, you kind of want to experience different things so that you can talk about them. And you know, I heard everyone talking about like, we, we had our long-term portfolio, it was doing well. Everyone's talking about coming on the podcast saying, oh, you know, service accommodation, short-term rentals, they're great. The profit's great, yada, yada, yada. And I, I, I was kind of, I, I bought into the hype. So I was like, well, you know, one of our next deals, if, if it's suitable, we'll consider it. And I had a couple of things in my head that were, were going on. I think I wanted to do something that if it didn't work out, it could switch back easily to a longer term rental. And I think most short term rentals are are good, right? But like, I didn't want to go and buy something in like a pure holiday desk, like vacation destination. I wanted something that there would be demand for long term if we we wanted to switch it back. And um, the project that we did, it was two apartments above uh, a retail unit. So like a shop on the ground floor and then two apartments above it. Um, I didn't want to have like one short term rental in a building with other long-term rentals. I knew if we were doing it in a block, I'd want the whole block to be short-term or long-term. So this this project came up five years ago. Um, it was two apartments, a, a two-bedroom and a one-bedroom. Um, the location, I, I wasn't sure about. Um, it's not a tourist place 
at all where we where we live and where we invest. But you know, I, I hear people talking about like corporate bookings, and we've ended up having a lot of people with friends and family visiting them. They'll stay in our apartment versus stay with whoever they're they're visiting, or people who are maybe getting some renovation work done on their own home. So, like the tourist thing was a, a concern at the back of my mind. It hasn't really been an issue since then. But it was a case of you know what we're, we're, we want to diversify our portfolio a little bit. The income potential looks really strong, and actually the the risk, the downside is is pretty low. If we if we don't like the short term rental business, if the market isn't there, like we'll we'll rent them out long term, and you know there's kind of like the downside. You know what I mean? Like the downside just didn't really feel like it was a big risk for that potential upside. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and how, how did it, how did it go? Like, do you still, are you still renting those homes on, as a short term rental or did we you are, yeah. switch it back? No, they're, they're still there. They, they've been short term since, uh, since day one, we've added uh, two more short term rentals to the portfolio as well. So not massive by any stretch. Um, but they, they do well, you know, I, I think the, the seasonality of it still makes me a little bit nervous. Like January, we probably had our quietest January on record this past, you know, past, well, last month. Um, and that's kind of nerve wracking. Like overall, they do well. We sit at probably 70 to 75% occupancy throughout the year. And at that level, we, we make a good amount of money on them. Uh, but those slow months, you know, you feel it, right? And it's it's that roller coaster that is probably one of my biggest um, negatives about the the short-term market as a, a strategy. Our long-term rentals, slow and steady. They just sit there month in, month out. It's the same. The The short-term market, uh, you know, it's it, it takes a bit more managing and um, effort to, to create a business there. It's not just something you can kind of, well, certainly I haven't found that you can set and forget. Oh, no. <laughs> not anymore anyway. <laughs> um. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the pros and cons of like long term versus short term. You mentioned the uh, the seasonality. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think you're not the only one who had a very slow January. Okay, good. Uh, I think that's reassuring. Of, yeah, like you know, most markets uh, that that I'm involved with are uh, have seen like a pretty slow January, February. Okay, uh, but then the pacing for the summer is is looking pretty good in, in mm-hmm. most markets. So like you know, 2024 could still be a good year. Good. But, okay. You know, you talked you touched on the seasonality. Um, what, what are some of the pros and cons that you see between long-term rentals and short-term rentals? I mean, the biggest pro has to be the income, right? Versus the, the kind of long-term market, the, if you get it right. And I think that what has worked quite well for us is having, um, kind of lower value, smaller units. It, It feels like it's a great way to, uh, really kind of enhance the, the income potential of that. I, you know, I don't really get into like the political debates about Airbnb hollowing out communities or or anything like that. I just, our, our approach thankfully has been um, in both cases, we converted. So we, I, I say in both cases, we have two apartments in one building and we have two apartments in the other building. Um, that's the four short-term rentals that we have. Both of those were conversions from commercial buildings into residential apartments. So in terms of like the argument about taking homes away from longer term rentals or, you know, kind of uh, year round residents, we've created new housing that we've turned into short term rentals. So, you know, that kind of, I, I, I don't know how, how most people feel 
about that side of the argument. But for us, it, it hasn't really been something that we've had any kind of negativity from from the the community. Um, but yeah, the income potential is is great. That has to be the the biggest upside. Um, and it's, it's difficult to ignore that. The, the downsides, and I think the reality of a short-term rental business is that it is much more of a business than uh, a longer-term investment portfolio. You could put a tenant into a long-term property and you know maybe you get the occasional maintenance issue. More often than not, they pay their rent on time. Like We can go for years without really hearing from them. Short-term, it's like you know every couple of days, you've got are the cleaners going to show up today? Are my guests going to show up? Are my guests going to look after the place? Are they going to trash it? Are they going to get there? And, you know, the the bedding isn't as clean as we would hope, or, you know, there's something missing in the bathroom or the kitchen, or like, it's just so much more involved than the long-term rental market. And I think going into it, we didn't really appreciate what that looked like. We've got better at it. And uh, we're still learning. We're still kind of, it's its not what we focus on, right? So it's not what I specialize in at all. So I'm always kind of looking for ideas to make it easier. It has improved, but it still feels like much more work for that reward. It's not passive by any stretch. Right. And so, I mean, you, you're talking about the, 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 the higher profits, right? Like, do you feel like the, the extra income um, is worth it given the additional work that you're putting in? <sighs> I mean, I feel like on a short-term rental podcast, I kind of need to say yes. The reality is in, Jan- in, in January, <laughs> oh, no, no, I was no. nervous, right? Like I was, honestly, there there are times when I think, okay, yeah, the, the income is better. Obviously, our, our gross revenue is is great, but then we have all of our costs, our, our housekeeping and our laundry and, um, you know, you pay your commissions and all that sort of stuff. Like the, the net difference probably isn't as as big as it looks when you hear the kind of top line numbers it's still it's still enough to make it worthwhile but when you have a month like january and then you're thinking geez if you know if this continues then um we're gonna yeah it's it's not it's not the most appealing like for the work that we do do you really get that additional gain i i toy with that regularly like i think we're at the stage where with the the short-term rental side of the portfolio, we either want to scale it and get to like probably like a minimum of maybe 10 units where we can have more robust systems in place because we manage internally as well. We don't have an agent, so we do that in-house. Um, so either get up to that stage where we can invest a little bit more in like a support team and maybe a bit more robust like cleaning processes. And there's some great apps out there that we can use to to do that. But I just don't feel like we can really justify that at the moment. Um, or, you know, we we go back to just the the kind of long-term rental market. It, we're, it's, it's a question that I, I can continue to battle with. I'm not about to pull the plug on them immediately, but it's either we need to find a deal relatively soon that gets us an extra few units and we continue to scale that or we, we back out entirely. For me, it's not something that you do with like one or two um, alongside another business. It's either your focus or it's not. Mm-hmm. Do you see any advantages with the flexibility that short-term rental gives you where if you have some family members over, you could block out the calendar and have them For stay sure. there versus a long-term rental, you kind of don't yeah. have any control over it. Yeah. And that's been great, right? Like we live, um, so 
I live probably like three, four hours away from uh, where I was born. My family still live there. So if they come to visit, we've got young kids now. So it's nice to have somewhere to to put them up. You mentioned as well, you know, maybe we'll talk about our traveling. We would come back to the UK for winter and to know that we had a place for three months of the year. Um, you know, that was, that was awesome. So that if you are looking for that kind of lifestyle, um, you know, something that fits in with more travel, we have friends that, you know, they'll go away in their RV or their camper van and they keep a place in the UK that they Airbnb, then it can be, you know, I suppose that's a different argument to we're doing this purely for profit. There's an additional benefit there. And that, that exists Mm -hmm. 100%. If, if that would like add value to your life, then it's definitely a really strong consideration. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you ever had uh, any issues with with your tenants? Because, like, this you know another another reason that some people go into short term rentals is because you know when you, if you have a bad experience with a tenant one time who stops paying rent, and then you know it's, you can't just uh, say like, hey, if you're not paying rent, you get a leaf. Like, you know, there's also you got to get. Uh, into so you like mean with like our, our longer and, term tenants versus the short term yeah. ones? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've had. I mean, I think I think the 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 rental market generally gets a lot of bad press and i think the of course there are horror stories right and and everyone has probably had a few issues but like on the whole i think that the rental business is a lot a lot more straightforward than most people make it out to be you know we've been doing this for uh full time for 12 years part time longer than that we have had um, a lot of our houses, we have like shared houses. So we have uh, maybe like a, a six bedroom home that we'll rent out to six individual professionals. So we've we've had like a lot of tenants in that period of time. Um, we've got a lot of property. We, as I say, we manage our properties and houses as well. So we're kind of really like at the coal face to see what's going on. And like tenant issues just isn't something that that causes us much of a problem. I think we have a responsibility to create a nice place for people to live. Um, so I see a lot of people moaning, oh, you know, my tenant, you know, the boiler keeps breaking. Like, I'm like, well, fix the damn boiler. Like, you know, if, if they're complaining about something on repeat, like, oh, you know, the windows are really like drafty. I'm like, okay, well put new windows in. Like, I think we have a responsibility. If we're providing housing, we should provide a good quality of housing. And I think if we do that and, you know, you, you vet your tenants, you reference them, you take a deposit or a guarantee, like you know, in the main, we've had such few issues that like stand out in my mind as like real kind of headache moments that it's just not something, it's not part of the business that stresses me out at all. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always the horror stories that get the most press, right? I yeah. mean, that's, that's the case in the long-term rentals market. That's the case in the short-term rental well, market. Exactly, well, exactly. Right. You know, I think running away from that, like, oh, there could be problems in the long-term rental sector to short term like i mean we've you know again very few compared to you hear like mainstream press talk about like these parties and like we had i think the worst and it wasn't even that bad but like the worst story that we have to tell was um we had three female prostitutes that ended up in one of our apartments and we found out about that uh there were people showing up there every like 30 minutes i mean these ladies were busy so you know they they had a good business going there but obviously it wasn't what we wanted from a, a reputation point of view from our neighbors we went around we had a conversation with them they left pretty uh pretty willingly so like i mean you know we've had a couple of noise complaints in in five years again probably like a handful 
we've had a few things damaged, but I think that's part of the business, right? Like it's you, you accept that um, it, these things might happen. Hopefully, they don't happen to you too often, and things can go really bad. But touch wood, so far we've been pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. So let's, you, you touched on the you know the short term rentals giving you flexibility um, to live part time at an apartment and then go travel around. Um, now I know you, the winter is a slower season for you, so I guess it makes sense to stay there in the winter and then go traveling in the, in, in the, you know, when the demand is higher. Um, you, I saw on your website that you actually lived on a boat. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you tell us that story? Yeah, we, we decided we wanted to go traveling and you know what? A lot of this was, so you mentioned you're on our podcast. Uh, it went live yesterday, but we, we spoke to you first, like six or seven years ago. Right. And, your original situation at the time really inspiring i I mentioned uh i think maybe before we started recording it was probably one of our most talked about podcasts ever right everyone's like oh yeah who's that dutch guy again what's he doing like his story (laughs) is really cool and like so travel had always been something that we wanted to do we heard stories like yours and that inspired us um i mentioned you know like property I don't feel like it's a full-time business. We've got a great team on the ground. We've built up, you know, some some systems and processes that mean that, like, I found that we were doing ninety percent of our work on a laptop. So although we were investing close to home, it wasn't like I was on site every day. I wasn't running around like with keys or like it. It was basically a laptop job. So, um, we we said, well, again, you know, we've got no responsibilities really. We want to go traveling. Let's maybe go on some rather than just go on vacation, let's go and do something fun for a couple of years and then we'll come back and settle down and have kids. Um, a couple of things that played into that. We, you know, we wanted, uh, we, we, we have two dogs, so they had to come with us. Um, we wanted a little bit of comfort. Anyway, we got into, uh, sailing. My wife's been sailing since she was a kid, but kind of fall, fell, fell out of love with it. Um, but we went, she, she sailed in Wales. Wales is like the wettest part of the UK sailing in, in rain, you know, bad weather, not really fun sailing in the sunshine, much more fun. So we went out to, to Europe, to the mad, we did some sailing around there. Uh, we came across some YouTube channels of people who were living on boats and thought, yeah, that sounds, that sounds awesome. So within the space of about 12 months, we had this idea, let's go traveling. And, uh, we went, we did our qualifications. We bought a boat. Uh, we, we kind of ramped up our team a little bit so that we had people on the ground back in the UK and the plan was to go sailing around the world. COVID hit. So we actually didn't leave Europe in the end. We did four years sailing around the Mediterranean. Um, we came back for a couple of months each winter. And then, uh, in the last year, Victoria gave birth to our daughter. We did a summer on the boat with, with her when she was a baby. But by the end of that season, she was starting to move around a little bit. And we thought, yeah, if we come back next year, she's going to be like jumping off the boat. And we weren't ready for that level of drama in our lives. So uh, at that point, we sold. We moved back to the UK about 12 months ago. And uh, yeah, we, we, we had a lot of fun. We continued to build the business and, and focus on that. And um, hey, hey. yeah. You were still able to record podcasts while while you were on the boat. Did you have good internet? I mean, we so running running a business from a boat sounds awesome. It was awesome at times, but there were also like just living life on a boat takes a little bit of effort in terms of 
like your weather planning, your route planning, what what you think is going to happen is is rarely what actually happens. We also had friends and family that wanted to come visit us. So whilst we were trying to work, everyone else who was with us was on vacation and wanted to have fun. And we wanted to have fun as well. So yeah, we were able to to run the business. We we would typically um, you know try to schedule it so that we'd spend a night or two each week in a marina close to a town or a city, so we could like connect to the Wi-Fi and we'd go and do the grocery shopping and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it had some challenges, but uh, you know, absolutely worth it. Like you figure these things out again. You know, you, one of the things that you spoke about when you were in, I think Chiang Mai, right? You were like that was set up for nomads. It had like the best Wi-Fi you'd ever had and it wasn't quite that good on the boat. Starlink was, uh, you know, just uh, an idea. Um, I think, you know, it's really now just becoming popular and a lot of people are relying on that. So, you know, it's one less thing to worry about, but you make it work. We, we were able to record podcasts. I switched to more solo episodes to kind of, uh, try and get around that a little bit, but yeah, it was good fun. Right on, right on. Any, uh, any big challenges while while you were living on the boat, like storms or like you know, the boat yeah, falling we, over. <laughs> we we had, we had a few. Thankfully, nobody falling overboard. We had a couple of big storms. We were super naive that first season. We'd look at like we like we had radar on the boat for for weather. I didn't figure out how to use that until we'd been on the boat for about twelve months. We'd been through a couple of big storms, and somebody uh, who we were sailing with for a while said, "Well." didn't you see it on your radar and you know what the heck is radar i, I didn't know um so yeah we had, we had a couple of big storms we lost our our dinghy our tender uh we i mean nothing dramatic we 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 survived we're still here it was still a good experience um i think honestly the biggest the biggest drama or concern was just trying to fit in too much like we wanted to have this adventure and be on vacation and be present and enjoy where we were at the same time, like living and managing a boat was a new job. Effectively. My wife was like the skipper. So she, uh, you know, her, her day was full of like passage planning and, and looking at the weather when we figured out how to turn the radar on things break on boats. So I became like part-time engineer and then we're also trying to run the business. We're trying to grow the business. Um, our business, it, it probably, uh, you know, we we sustained it. I wouldn't say it was like phenomenal growth. So I was kind of excited by the time we were coming back to like enter a new phase of like, let's, let's push this and see where we can get it to. Um, so it took more time. It was more time consuming living on a boat and trying to balance everything than I thought it would be. Um, but yeah, still, still an awesome experience. Mm-hmm. I, I saw on your website that you help people with something that's called HMO investing. Yeah. yeah. Can you explain I, what that is? I think it's like a UK specific, uh, industry or strategy. So it's what I mentioned where, um, the best way, and I, I don't know if there's an equivalent of this in the Netherlands, but it's, uh, when, whenever I'm speaking to anyone in the U S I tend to describe it as like a frat house for, professionals like young professionals graduates so effectively we will take uh, a single family home or in in our case we often take uh kind of larger like commercial offices and things like that and we'll convert them into maybe six or eight or ten bedroom hmos which stands for a house of multiple occupancy so rather than renting out the entire property to a single family 
we would rent out each individual bedroom and then there's going to be shared communal spaces. So um, they have you know, a kitchen and a lounge. Often in the larger houses, they'll have a couple of different lounge spaces, dining rooms. So it's, you know, it's, it's a nice place for people to live. It's kind of like student living post-graduation and it's not dissimilar from the, the short-term rental market in as much as the rent is like all-inclusive. So, you know, you pay for a nightly rate on Airbnb and that includes all of your utility costs and you've got cleaning and all that sort of stuff. They move into our house. All of the utilities are covered. We pay for, you know, the the electric and the water and the Wi-Fi, TV and cable. Uh, we pay a cleaner to go into that house every week. So it's kind of like a convenient, lower cost, but also kind of fun and sociable way for typically young professionals people in their you know mid 20s up to early 30s uh is where our usual demographic is Mm -hmm. do these people sign a lease for the room and do they typically stay for a longer time or is more like almost like a midterm like a one two month thing no it's it's definitely longer term i mean uh when we started we would have like a six month lease agreement in place now uh it's 12 months i mean we can we'll still do six if if somebody like was really adamant that that's all they need it for but typically 12 months the market here is 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 crazy for room rentals i think there's something similar in australia i mean you know models like this exist i don't know what they're called elsewhere but um yeah so typically kind of 12 months like our longer term family homes people will be in there for years i would say our average tenancy length in in an hmo is probably about you know somewhere between 12 and 18 months um so it's Mm -hmm. still you know it's a reasonably long-term uh solution Often we find people are moving here for the first time. So we live in Manchester. Um, they've maybe got a graduate job here. They're moving here. Um, you know, they've, they've been to university. They're moving here for work. And maybe they don't want to buy. They can't afford to buy. They don't want to live on their own. So this is, you know, it's a kind of nice interim solution for them. And then they'll get familiar with the location. Maybe they fall in love. Maybe they buy their own place. And then they'll move out into an apartment or a house but yeah it's it's a good kind of entry-level route for people who are relocating or looking to kind of move out of their family home for the first time right last question manchester united or manchester city well see i am from scotland originally so i have no allegiance to any manchester team um, <laughs> i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna uh take sides because if i pick the wrong side and anyone listens to this i'll end up in trouble we have like our contractors on site um, you know, we, we do a lot of, uh, renovations and construction work and like, there's a big allegiance to one or the other. So it causes a little bit of rivalry. If I had to pick, like, are you a big, are you a big follower of football, football or soccer? I guess I need to call it, but like, do you follow the English premier league or I do? Yeah. Okay. So I, if, if I had to pick, I would say I was a Norwich fan, um, Norwich are, you know, not the most exciting team in the world, but, um, yeah, that's that's the team that I chose to follow a few years back. But for me, football is is not the right sport. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, Mike. Before I let you go, uh, let people know where they can find you. I know you have your podcast at the InsidePropertyInvesting.com. Yeah. Um, who who's who who do you who's this for? And like you know, what can people learn from from sure. your podcast? So, I mean, our, our focus is the UK market. So we, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about all different strategies within the UK, whether it's short-term rentals, HMOs, uh, single lets or commercial property, but it's, it's predominantly focused on, on the UK market. And, and 
it's mainly interview based. We speak to a lot of cool people like yourself who've got tons of experience. We speak to a lot of people who have maybe just done their first deal and can share some some lessons on what worked for them. So it's for aspiring investors who are interested in the UK market, maybe want to find out a bit more about how to get started or which strategy is is right for them. Gotcha. Awesome, Mike. Well, appreciate you uh, jumping on and uh, excited to, to keep following your uh, journey. I'm ex- excited to here in the future, if you're continuing to do those short-term rentals, or if you're, or if you're eventually gonna, if the roller coaster of seasonality is, uh, is too, a little too much, and you're gonna go back to the the safety of the long-term rental, if you will. Um, and I appreciate you jumping on and sharing your story. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And to the listeners, hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back soon with another one. See you next time. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. I have a question for you. Do you have a solid revenue management strategy in place to maximize the revenue for your listings? Is revenue management part of your daily routine? If not, then you're leaving money on the table. The days that we can ignore revenue management in our hosting business and still do well are over, my friends, and they won't come back. So if you either don't use dynamic pricing and manually enter prices on the OTAs, or you have a pricing tool set up, but you're not sure how to use it correctly, then the cash flow mastery is for you. In this brand new course, I teach you step-by-step how to set up your pricing tool, create a winning revenue management strategy, and give you a daily, weekly, and monthly workflow to evaluate your portfolio performance and make strategic price adjustments. I walk you through how we set up our revenue management for FreeWild, from setting up your base price, to minimize stays, length of stay discounts, adjacent day pricing, orphan night pricing, and much more. On top of that, you'll get access to countless of calculators and tracking sheets that will give you the insights you need to make the right pricing decisions. The course comes with a Facebook group where you can ask questions every day and monthly live Zoom calls to help you stay on track. Do you want to manage your revenue and master your cash flow? Then sign up now at getpaidforyourpad.com slash cashflowmastery. That is getpaidforyourpad.com slash cashflowmastery.